1: Hey Her Sets fans, welcome to another episode of Her Hoopsets Unplugged. As always, you're here with Megan Gower and lots going on in the women's basketball this week, especially with Team USA. So to break that all down, I have Calvin Wetzel from our Her Hoopsets team with us.
2: Hi Calvin, how's it going?
3: Hey, I'm good Megan, how are you doing?
2: Doing well, so... We've got a lot of news that's come out this week, I think, mostly surrounding Olympic teams. I think that's what we're going to mainly focus on this week, even though there's plenty also happening in the WNBA. Clearly, from Twitter, the biggest topic of conversation (laughs) this week has been this USA basketball team. So just to start it out, um, running down the roster real quickly, it's a 12-player roster that's going to Tokyo for Team USA. Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi, both shooting for their 5th Olympic gold medals, and then also Ariel Atkins, Skylar Dickens-Smith, Joel Lloyd, Chelsea Gray, Nafisa Collier, Brianna Stort, Tina Charles, Sylvia Fowles, Asia Wilson, and Brittany Griner all on that roster. So, obviously, a lot of star power. No surprise. Team USA always has an embarrassment of virtues going into the Olympics, but we do have the official ro- roster for Tokyo. <laughs> So yeah, my initial reaction to the roster was like, it looks pretty good. We've got a good balance of some younger stars, obviously lots of veterans, as to be expected. Of course, the one thing that's kind of been the glaring thing that people have brought up all week is the admission of Neka Agumake from this roster.
3: Yeah, it's definitely definitely one of those super hot-button topics on Twitter this week. Uh, I think... Just to start off with, I feel like really we should say, I, th- I feel like talk- talking beforehand. You and I both agree that you can definitely make an argument on both sides of this. There are some takes that people are having that are pretty crazy and out there. Neither side of this of the Neca argument is necessarily like unfair, um, but I really just think it kind of depends on what perspective you look at it from. Whether you look at it from a purely, you know, on court right now basketball perspective or whether you sort of look at at the bigger picture, I guess.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, from the on-court basketball perspective, I think I really understand why this roster is the way it is when you look at players like Nafisa Collier, who's definitely younger, I think one of the more surprises to be on this roster. But if you look at the way Collier's been playing in the WNBA, how strong she's been, especially last season, you know, she Obviously, Asia Wilson and Brianna Stewart were your kind of main MVP candidates, but Collier wasn't really that far off of that kind of clip, was probably an MVP favorite going into the season, not maybe so much living up to that, but still playing at a really high level. So it it makes sense that she breaks onto this roster. And then you look at other players in the front court. I think, I mean, there's a handful of players here that we don't really need to discuss because they were locks. But Tina Charles, Sylvia Fowles, when you look at the level of basketball they're playing right now, it's really hard to argue to leave them off. I mean, but Tina you know, Charles just became the first player in the WNBA to record back to back 30 plus points and 50 plus rebound games think, last week. So they're playing at a really high level. So, from a pure basketball perspective, I think. It's it's really clear that all the players on this roster belong on this roster.
3: Yeah, I really think the only argument that you can maybe make that I've I've heard and m- might be sort of fair from a strictly basketball perspective is the fact that Neca's skill set is is a little bit more complementary, um, and I do kind of buy that in the sense that superstars are often you know that player like Tina Charles, who can just go score at any level, um, you know, give her the ball and she'll get you a bucket. Uh, But you don't need five of those on the court at the same time, there's only one ball. So obviously, your fourth or fifth player on the court is going to be have to be someone who does all the other things well, and not that Tina doesn't, but NECA is, you know, an elite rebounder, obviously, in terms of her her defense, her pick and roll defense, she brings a lot of those other things to the table, you know, besides just um, just being a pure scorer, uh, which does sort of complement superstars well. So I do buy that argument. I still think, yeah, overall, just on court right now, um, you know, and obviously NECA in in her prime, you know, when she won the MVP was at a much higher level than than she has been playing in the last year or two, you know, even before she was hurt this year, which she's still a great player, but just not MVP level um, on court right now. I mean, Tina is definitely playing better than Neca this season, even before the injury. Like I have Tina on my fantasy team. It's I definitely appreciate how incredible and how dominant she has been. Um, you know, Ariel Atkins, you can maybe make an argument basketball wise, but then then your roster is unbalanced like people have pointed out you have too many bigs uh and not enough guards if you take atkins off the roster so then the only other one you're really looking at is nafisa collier who again you could maybe make an argument either way with that one um if i were picking a team to actually just win a game right now now we're drafting you know if we started the WNBA over and had a new draft i would take nafisa collier over Neca. but all that being said I still think I am a proponent of NECA making the team. Um, and here's why. Number one, they're going to win gold anyway. So it's not like replacing, for example, Nafisa Collier with NECA Grumke is going to tip the scales at all. You know, it's not like you're talking about going from the 12th best player to like the 80th best player. You know, you're sort of splitting hairs when you go from number 12 to number 15 or whatever it is. Uh Number two, everything that NECA has done throughout her career on and off the court. um, Obviously, you know, everything she did in the bubble last year and in terms of her leadership with the Players Association, um, just the type of person she is. And then on the court, uh, we were looking this up earlier. She is actually about to be, you know, probably the next time she plays one or two games, she will pass up Taj McWilliams Franklin in all-time win shares for 13th. At that point, she will be the highest in the all-time win shares rankings in the WNBA ever to not play in the Olympics. So there's a very good chance she ends up her career as maybe the best player, best WNBA player ever to not play in the Olympics. So I really just think she deserves one, you know, one, one shot at playing in the Olympics. I feel really bad for her that she's not getting that. And who knows if she gets it in 2024. Obviously, she'll be pushing 35 at that point or 34. Um, so I, I, still think I would have liked to see her make it. Um, you know, Tina has made it before. Nafisa Collier is going to make it at some point, if not this year. Um, I, I would have liked to see it, but again, I definitely understand the basketball perspective of why she didn't make it.
2: Yeah, I honestly feel like it's kind of interesting that everyone is obviously talking about her being a snub for this year, but I don't remember people saying she got snubbed in 2016. And when you think about, like, Nneka was at the prime of her career in 2016. She won MVP that year, I'm pretty sure. Like, why didn't she make it in 2016? I feel like that's the year we should be talking about her getting snubbed. This year, I think, from a basketball perspective, you can kind of really argue why she didn't, I think. Even though her like timetable for injury was to be back in time for Tokyo, I have a feeling that probably did play at least somewhat into it, too. Just the fact that she, you know, going into when they leave for Tokyo wouldn't have been on the court in six weeks. That's a that's a long time. Would she be able to play in the exhibition games as well is probably a question mark. Not that it's going to make a huge difference, but this is a group of players that hasn't seen much time at all together on the court. So she's not healthy for that training camp, which I think pretty much lines right up with when she's expected to be back from injury. I think that's another kind of thing that kind of just played into it a little bit because chemistry is going to be a big thing for this team too.
3: Yeah. So obviously I know we both understand both sides, but if you had to choose, so I, I would choose, you know, Neca. if I, if I had to choose personally to be on the team, although, you know, I definitely understand why she's not, if you had to choose Neca, is she in or out?
2: I think she's out because of the basketball perspective. It's the Olympics. I think it really should just be the 12, whatever the roster is that gives you the best chance of winning gold. I know the USA is obviously expected to handedly win gold in basketball, but it should still be the team that's going to be like the best possible team that you could put out there. It's the Olympics. It's not like, it's the biggest, you know, the biggest stage for a sporting event, right? It should be really the top athletes. That's what it's supposed to be. And not that Nick is not a top athlete, but it really should be who are the top 12 players that are going to, or I don't know that's the 12 best players that can't say the right rate right? because you need to have the right roster too, but it's the best roster that's going to give you the best team to go to Tokyo.
3: Yeah, yeah, I feel you. I, one other thing I did want to bring up, play devil's advocate to that, is just how much NECA has contributed to Team USA not in the Olympics. You know, she's part of that core group and has really played phenomenally in you know world cups and things like that um so obviously she's had her imprints all over team usa in general and in the olympics is sort of the pinnacle of team usa obviously or of any national teams um you know goals so again that's it's just i feel bad for her because of what she's given to them it's not just what she's given to the WNBA or the players association um but i Like we said, the off air, someone has to be the best player ever to not play in the Olympics. If it was if NECA made the team, then someone else would be the best player ever to not play in the Olympics. It's got to be someone and someone has to be number 13, too. We we talk about this all the time with, uh, you know, all conference teams in college or at large bids in March Madness or any any time where there's X number of spots. Everyone thinks that x plus one should have made it right and whoever whoever didn't is always always a snub but it's there's got to be someone
2: <laughs> yeah exactly you can't put everyone that like is probably a quality enough athlete to play in the olympics on this roster it's just the problem with team usa there's so much basketball talent in the u.s there's always going to be people that are left off but i mean That's unfortunately how it is. And I think so much of the Olympics, too, it just lines up with timing. Like, you have to be in the right, like, kind of prime of your career at the right year to kind of make it, because it's only every four years, too. It's not like it's an every-year thing where, you know, players have a chance every year to get there. So I I obviously feel really bad for This Sucks, but I think you can very much understand why the roster decision has been made without it being, like, a a huge conspiracy theory or anything.
3: Yeah, and it's it's interesting that you brought up, you know, I was thinking about that too with the prime of her career, you know, obviously 2016 is sort of when her prime really started, but, um, you know, with the Olympics being in the middle of that year, I mean, she'd only had sort of a half of a season of being that dominant level player at that point, and then she proceeded to, for the next two, three, four years to be at that level, um, and now she's sort of past her prime. her prime really was the wrong three years sandwiched right in between, um, you know, 2016 and 2021, which, again, is just you, you feel for her because it's it's there's some luck involved, too, obviously. So, you know, when you're good, not just how good you are.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, if the Olympic cycle was different and we had a 2018 Summer Olympics, like, she would have been a lot. To make that team but it's just unfortunately like the way the years fell it's just she kind of like was in her prime right in the middle and now it's like on either end of it and uh, you you got to feel for her but it is what it is I think it's there's not really much you can do about it so so in addition to the the neck argument which I think is you know you can really as you saw just argue both sides of it there's so many reasons why she should be on the team and so many basketball reasons why you can say, okay, but the roster does make sense how it is. <laughs> I feel like there's been some other interesting takes that I wanted to get your thoughts on on the basketball roster that has come out. The first being that we obviously have the Super and Dan Atrazzi that are going to be five-time Olympians. Uh, Sylvia Fowles is going to be a four-time Olympian. And there's been some takes floating around on Twitter that players should give up their spots in order to make some room for younger talent to make this roster
3: yeah that's that's gonna be a no for me Um, (laughs) i i think i can go through all the reasons but i mean to me first and foremost that's a very u.s centric viewpoint um because we've talked about how deep the u.s pool of talent is and if you take you know if you if you say, well, whatever, Diana Taurasi can't play in the Olympics because she's played in a million Olympics already. So we're going to replace her with someone else. Like whoever's behind her isn't that much worse, right? Because the USA has such this deep pool. But when you, some other countries, I mean, are, would you have told Australia that they can't play Lauren Jackson in the Olympics because she's already played in? one or two Olympics or whatever? No, because whoever replaces Lauren Jackson for Australia, the gap is so much bigger. And you know, that's the same deal with most countries. Um, I mean, a lot of countries have one or two stars and whoever number 13 is that didn't make the roster isn't even close to that level. So that's number one, Um, which I mean, if you're an, if you're an American and you're saying that because you want an advantage for team USA, then fine. But that's, That's what it is. It's an an advantage for the team that already has the biggest advantage, which is Team USA. Number two, it should be the opposite, if anything, in my opinion, because like I said, Nafisa Collier, if she would have been replaced with NECA this year, she's still going to make an Olympic team at some point. She'll probably still make the next one. So when you're young, um, you know, you're going to have that chance still. Whereas it's the same thing with NECA, right? NECA is, what, 31, I think? I mean, her her window is is closing, and it's going to be just about closed probably three or four years from now. And that that's the same deal with Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird. Like, it feels like they're going to be around forever, but are they really going to be still playing? And if so, at uh, this high of a level when they're 44? Like, probably not. So... To me, the older players, if anything, should have priority. It's it's seniority. It's how it's not just sports. That's how everything works. You know, when you're uh, in the business world, you know, when you've been at a job longer, you have seniority, and you you build up better PTO and better things like that, right? Um, seniors in, at the college level have seniority over freshmen. It's just how it works. So no, definitely a hard no for me on uh, on that idea of older players giving up their spot.
2: Yeah. I 100% agree with you. I also feel like it's almost like a USA basketball-centered argument because they're basically just so, like, guaranteed to win gold. Because even you look at, like, USA soccer, the women's game, obviously, the men's team didn't make the Olympics because... It's a disaster, but the women's team, they're not their roster, right? They've got, you know, Carly Lloyd on it. They've got Megan Rapinoe. They have these older players that have all this experience, and no one is like, oh, those players shouldn't be playing in the Olympics. Like, they're still playing at the, a prime level. They're still on an Olympic roster because they're the best players. And also that experience matters too, right? Like, when you look at – when we talk about, like, WNBA playoffs, we're always like, oh, what team has playoff experience? What team has finals experience? Like, that matters to help you win, so I don't like think we have any of these conversations if you're in a situation where like USA basketball isn't gonna win the gold by three miles every time. Like if there's an actual competitive landscape, we're all gonna be like, yes, this should be the best players with whatever the best roster, whatever that looks like. It's gonna have some experience. It's gonna have. Players that are playing at a really high level with Subert and Diana Trassi and Sylvia Fowles all really are still like that's not I would understand the argument if they weren't playing at this like really high level, but they're still playing at that high level. So to me, I just like, it should be the best roster. And just because the US wins by a mile every time doesn't mean that we should like take these players off the roster. If they're still the best players, that's who should play at the Olympics.
3: Yeah, the point about experience is a great one. We always talk about it with the playoffs, but some of the best Olympic teams have been some of the most experienced, too. And when you look at the men's side, like the Dream Team in 1992 is the famous example. And with a couple exceptions, that team was kind of old. They had a bunch of guys, 30 plus, you know, but they were they were probably, most people consider the best Olympic men's basketball team of all time. because. Not only did they have all that talent, they had all played in the Olympics before, for the most part.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's like the added level of experience plus players that are playing at a high level still. Like that is your best roster to win gold, and I think, I think the reason we only see this take for like USA basketball is really because it's like, this. it's not a super competitive landscape. Yeah, Australia has gotten better, but they're still not really giving USA a run for their money for that gold medal. It'd be like the upset of the century if USA doesn't come home with the gold.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's I mean, I, I cannot imagine hearing this argument from anyone from any other country other than the United States. Maybe I'm wrong, but I can't I can't see that.
2: I think you are right. I actually think Richard Cohen from our team said that in his WNBA dissected this morning when he was talking about that came out this morning, (laughs) Thursday. So yesterday morning when this comes out, but he was talking about the NECA situation and just like how it's such a U.S. subject like view to have these conversations and that like wouldn't be the case at all in Great Britain where he is or anywhere else. So this is very different, (laughs) very different views, I think.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting to talk about, but it's like to me, it's just... I, like, have been trying to understand where this take comes from. And it's, like, it's not like it's just, like, a couple people on Twitter. It's, like, a lot of people on Twitter and a lot of, like, high-profile reporters and stuff that have come with this take. And I'm just, like, I, I just don't understand it.
3: Yeah, I mean, who... We already talked about, you know, the, okay, it would benefit Team USA, who definitely doesn't need the benefit because they're going to win gold anyway. But who else would it benefit? I don't know who it benefits. I mean, yeah. maybe, like, it benefits, you know, 22-year-olds who are sort of good and they're going to be really good three years from now. But at, at the expense of players like, like you said, Sylvia Fowles, at the expense of like some of the all-time legends of the game. Like why, you know, like we don't, I mean, those kids are going to get their shot. Like, I don't know. Does Caitlin Clark need to make the Olympic team three years from now? Like, I don't know, maybe she will, but probably not because she'll get her chance seven years from now. And there will probably be players, you know, who have already put in more work, to who deserve it more at that point.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I'm all for Caitlin Clark making the team in 2024. If she is really one of the five best guards in the country or whatever, but I don't think that's necessarily often going to be the case, I think. I mean, the, early, the only time when someone was one of the like best players in the country coming out of school was Brianna Stewart. We all know that she's basically the best basketball player in the world at this point, so like, I think that one made sense. But... It's, I'm all for it if they're the best player and, like, they should be on the roster because it should just be, like, who is the best team that you can put together. But I think right now this is the best team you can put together. I think, especially in the guard position, honestly, like, even looking at, like, people are like, okay, Super and Diana Tiresi have been to four. Like, why do they need to go to fifth? But who else are you going to put there? I don't, like, feel like there's anyone at the guard level that got snubbed by not being on this roster that should be on this roster ahead of them.
3: Yeah, I don't either. I've, I've seen like Sabrina's name thrown out there, um, which maybe is, I don't know. She She's obviously has struggled with a little bit of an injury of her own and come back, been on a minute's restriction. Like at, at full strength, like maybe that's the only one that comes close. But again, like Sabrina four years or three years from now is going to be so much better and she's going to be ready. But right now, I. I don't know. I don't think you need to take away that spot from someone who's given two decades to the game, like Taurasi or Bird, in order to give it to someone like Sabrina.
2: Yeah. And I, like, if Sabrina was, like, playing at an MVP level and was, you know, clearly ready, I'm all for putting out her on this roster. But that's not what we're seeing right now. And, of course, part of that is her injury. But she's not there yet, which is fine. She'll have that opportunity in 2024. She'll most likely be on this roster in 2024 if things go as everyone expects them to. But I agree, I don't think, like, she deserves that spot over Subert or Diana Chirassi. I think the only, like, kind of player that was probably in that, you know, 14th, 15th grouping that maybe would have made it is Arifia Gumbulale, but I also think that there's parts of her game, too, that need some work to make an Olympic roster. She thrives so much on, like, volume shooting, and that's just not what you do on a team of superstars like this going into the Olympics, so... I think there's definitely, you know, twenty twenty-four. She's probably on this roster too, but there's some work to be done to get
3: there. Yeah, and that's that's another thing too, that you you brought up like Arika's volume shooting and going back to when we were talking about NECA and her skill set maybe being more complimentary, like when you have when you're surrounded by superstars, sometimes it's better to be good at everything else than to be really, really good at scoring, which is what a lot of stars are. And to me, that's another thing, if anything, that favors older players. Because when we talk about the value of experience, I think the rest of your game often comes more so with experience uh, than score. Like, Enrique entered the league basically as a bucket. You know, she could just go get hers anywhere on the court. But that's really about all she had. And she's starting to develop some other aspects of her game at this point now in year three. But she's still not fully there yet in terms of her distributing ability or her defense. And um, and I think those are things that really come along as you gain experience. And someone who's been in the league for 10 years, I think has developed much more so in those other complementary aspects, maybe where where they could already score right away. And like Paige Beckers and Caitlin Clark, I think also scoring wise, just pure give him the ball and let him go get a shot. Like maybe they could compete. I'm not going to you know, go as far as, some of the Twitter stuff we saw earlier this year, like top five guard in the WNBA already, but maybe they could at least like hold their own on the court just in terms of scoring, but nothing else. I mean, they'd get cooked on defense because um, you know, no college kid can step in and guard anyone in the WNBA. And that is really what you need. If you're going to be an elite Olympic team, because especially from the U S perspective, we've talked about you're, you're so deep that you know, everyone on the roster is an elite scorer. So what else do you bring to the table?
2: Right, Exactly. Everyone on this roster is going to be able to score the basketball in a lot of ways and get that part done. So it's everything else matters so much. And part of that is the experience. And there's just so much you learn. Like if you think about like what players say about like how much, you know, five years into the league or 10 years in the league, they learn about how to see the court and just how to like all that type of stuff. Like that stuff is so valuable going into the Olympics too, because you're playing with people that you don't play with all the time. So the chemistry isn't always there. Having that set of skills allows you to kind of just adapt to playing with different people and kind of make that adjustment quicker as well, which is also a big part of this.
3: Yeah. And that chemistry is really important too, because, you know, which again, players who have are older and more experienced have played together on team USA before, uh, you know, on the defensive end in particular, like when, when you play together, you learn each other's, you know, how to communicate on defense and, and you learn those different, you know, you sort of have that synergy with whether it's ball screen coverages or whether it's, you know, if you're a guard, you know which way you can sort of cheat because you know, Sylvia Fowles, for example, has your back um, and is there protecting the rim. Um, it's just, it's just those, those little things that you pick up on. Uh, You know, how to because defense is all about score, one player can go get you a bucket, but defense is all about all five on the court. You're not, your defense isn't going to be good if if you have one elite defender. You need all five in sync, and that comes with playing together.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, there's a lot of arguments for who should be on the team, but I think that's what it comes (laughs) down to, right? (laughs) Like, (laughs) who is your best set? this is what it is. Having that experience helps. That's why we're seeing players that are four or five-time Olympians on this roster.
3: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, sometimes there's a young player who's otherworldly talent and sure, you put them on. But to me, if anything, tie goes to the older player.
2: Yeah, exactly. Because they have that edge on the experience. So to wrap it up, this Team USA team is all going to automatically be WNBA All-Stars this season, and they will play another team of All-Stars in Vegas on July 14th, so in a few weeks right before they head off to Tokyo. Any players that you kind of think are locks that we're definitely also going to see in that game, kind of on the other side on the non-Team USA side?
3: Yeah, I think uh, Jockwell Jones should be back by then obviously is, is a lock to make that team. Uh, Benazia Laney has been somehow even better than last year. Uh, she's gotta be on that roster. Um, you could, you could put a on that roster. Um, you know, we talked about her being just a volume score, but that's enough t- to, uh, I think to make that roster. Um, You know, Candace Parker will have played, I think, enough games by then to sort of deserve, deserve, uh, have earned that spot, Um, just off the top of my head. It's, the the players I keep thinking of are mostly on Team USA, but yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely a few really good, good, talented players uh, like those that, that definitely deserve a spot. Yeah,
2: I feel like even though Candace Parker hasn't played that many games, the way like Chicago has just turned around since she's been back, it's like just a very convincing case for her to play an all-star. I think also like Atlanta's backcourt has been pretty good, so I would say Tiffany Hayes will be injured, but like could get voted into that spot, or Courtney Williams. They've both been really solid for Atlanta. Yeah, I also feel like Connecticut could have, too. to Bonner has been playing absolutely insane, and I think... Mean, you know, especially with Uncle Jones out, her numbers have gone up. So I think, I mean, she's been really good alongside JJ as well. So I could see Connecticut sliding two all-stars into there. And then maybe more of a fringe pick, but Jackie Young has been so good for the Aces. I could definitely see her getting in there as well.
3: Yeah, I, uh, I'm i a big fan of Jackie Young and Courtney Williams. So definitely love both of those picks and hope to, hope to see them get in there.
2: Yeah, that would also just be a fun backcourt to watch in that game. So, yeah, I'm very much rooting for that now because I just want to see them play together. I feel like that would be a lot of fun to watch. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I feel like very different demeanors. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, in, I, I mean, very different in a lot of ways, but very complimentary and, like you said, I think would be would be a joy to watch on the same team. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah mission to get Courtney Williams' green hair to the All-Star game, also.
3: Big fan of green hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they are similar in, in the fact that they love the pull-up jumper, although Courtney Williams has been taking a lot more threes this year, which I love, so hopefully Jackie Young is next. I would love to see her take that step back yeah. eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I feel like if she could add that to her game, she's just going to like improve her range even more. She's already such a personal player, and then you add that. It's going to make her even better. Absolutely. All right. That will do it for today's episode. Thanks, Calvin, for joining me.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for listening to today's episode. As always, make sure you rate, like, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to us. Also, make sure to check out the website at herhoopstats.com. Lots of great WNBA stats as well as college stats there to check out. And we've added some new features recently, so definitely go check those out as well. You can find us on social media at herhoopstats on all platforms. And make sure you're subscribed to our free Substack newsletter to get all of our content in your inbox throughout the week. Thanks again for listening.